0: friends, and welcome back to Pierre, Pierre pressure, pressure Podcast. Pressure. I'm your host, Pierre Dugayon. This is a show where I talk to musicians and gently Pierre Pressure, pressure them pressure. into talking about politics. On this episode of Pierre Pressure Podcast, I was really pleased to speak to Dan Reeder. He is a songwriter, guitarist, singer, and visual artist. He was born in Louisiana, grew up in Southern California, and has been living in Nuremberg, Germany since the late 80s. It was really interesting for me to get his perspective on what America looks like from the vantage point of Europe. I became acquainted with Dan Reeder's music through the song Maybe, which came to me through the algorithms and mysterious uh, waves of the internet. The song Maybe explores the possibilities of what happens after you die, and it's written with so much tenderness and humor and feeling, and it has Dan Reader's distinctive voice and songwriting craft in it, and it's really a perfect little gem. And it's what led me to want to hear more. Since then, I've checked out all of Dan Reader's discography, and he has a vast and amazing discography, which you should explore. These songs are firmly rooted in the Americana and folk tradition, but they have really contemporary lyrical themes that are woven in this really effective and efficient way. The writing is just fantastic. It reminds me of the best of Nick Cave, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, and even Georges Brassens, which is one of my favorite French songwriters. And among Dan Reeder's many fans, one of them is the late, great John Prine, legendary American songwriter, who took Dan Reeder under his wing, released his catalog under his label, Oh Boy Records, and Reeder was fortunate enough to tour with him. We'll talk about how that came about and what that experience was like. Dan Reeder is not a fan of performing live. It's not something he likes to do, but he does continue to create music and release music, and he will have another album coming out soon on Oh Boy Records, so look out for that. So I'm really excited to share my conversation with Dan Reeder
1: first guy I knew who died, can't remember his name, the 10th grade started, he just never came again, all his friends sat around and cried for a day or two, you can say what you want about a mortal soul, when that guy died, it left a hole, it was my first clue that when they're gone, they're gone. Maybe Jesus beat that rap, we're not sure. Maybe you can live forever, if your heart is pure. Maybe you'll come back someday as a king from. Maybe angels come and take you away to heaven. Or the other way,
0: but from down here it appears that when they're gone, they're gone. Well, I'm just going to start by saying it's really nice to meet you and thank you for doing this. I'm really happy to be talking to you. Uh,
2: You're quite welcome to be on on the show. Oh, I have to yeah. say, uh, I've been I've been terrified of this all day today, oh, because, no. well, terrified maybe a little bit too much, but uh, you're going to force me to talk about politics, is that right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I am. But if it makes you feel any better, every musician I talk to kind of has the same reaction. Yeah. They're like, all right, I'll do it if you twist my arm. Yeah. But... Uh...
2: <laughs> is that a Shure microphone you've got there? It is. It's a Shure. Yeah, it's a KSM-27. It's a 27, yeah.
0: You know, funny story about this microphone. When probably twenty twenty years ago, I was in a band, and we I um, applied to a songwriting contest. I think it was through like MySpace. Remember MySpace mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah. And I won this microphone from a, a cover. It was a cover contest, doing songs. I did a song by um, Men at Work, uh-huh. Overkill. I did a version of that song with my band, and they liked it, and they gave me this microphone. So.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I've got a, well, I've got
0: one, it's right here. I've got a, it's
1: a uh, KSM 42. Nice. Well, I've been thinking about a new microphone. Yeah, I've been thinking about a new microphone. Well, there's nothing in this world I really need. Really need, but I've been thinking about a new microphone. Hello, This sound so smooth.
0: So you live in Nuremberg, right? You're in Germany, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And you, you, but you started out in California, Fullerton, or you yeah. went to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, I went to Cal State
3: Fullerton.
2: So, I met my wife there. She was um, well, she was there as an apparel girl. And she, um, like, looking after people's kids and taking care of the house, household and stuff. And she went to the university just to see what was going on. Um, And we met there. And she had to come back because of a a visa problem. Um, And she said, I should come to Germany. So I talked to my professors. I'm, like, one semester away from finishing my degree in art. And they said, Hmm. yeah, go, go, go to Germany. Go to uh, Six months of Europe is better than a semester here for for an artist, no matter what.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: um, I came here and I just never went home. I stayed here.
0: So did you ever end up getting that degree, or no? Did that just no, I happened? never <laughs> did. <Okay. laughs>
2: you know, well, what they say is an art degree and and uh, a couple of bucks. I don't know how much a cup of coffee costs now. We'll get you a cup of coffee. Exactly. Uh,
0: that's pretty great, though. I, I spend a ton of time in Germany. I love it. Yeah. I, I was in a band that was on a German label and we used to tour there all the time. It was our starting place. And yeah. I've always just, I feel like the, the way they treat musicians is the best, best ever, really. I mean, I, I've never had a better time than touring in Germany. And, you know, yeah. it's it's a great place. And I have a really, a real fondness for Germany and German people. So, yeah. I
2: think. Where were you um, in Germany? I guess you're, if you were touring, you were all over Well,
0: place. we our our label was based in Hamburg, and then uh, we would always start out in Hamburg, or and then or Berlin, and go to Frankfurt and all the you know City. all the main cities. But we spent we went I toured um, East Germany quite a bit. We went to Leipzig. And Dresden. I love it. Dresden. Dresden. Uh, yeah.
2: Magdeburg maybe.
0: Possibly yeah. in, I know you've done some performing in in Germany. You played you played Nuremberg quite a bit. Yeah, well, I wouldn't
2: say quite a bit, but. You know, the thing is, I avoid, I try to avoid playing live. I just don't like to do it. Um, sometimes I do it with my daughter. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Though now she's in Heidelberg studying, so she doesn't have, uh, she can't do it. But, well, the great thing about playing with her is I could can, I can fall over dead and she could finish, she can do the concert by herself. I think she'd rather I wasn't even <laughs> there, which is what I want. She takes over and, and runs the show.
0: Outsource your music to. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think I saw a video of you guys playing together. It was really.
2: I was just gonna say we used to do uh, little concerts together. One time, I got a, a a culture prize from the city of Nuremberg, and it was actually um, What was the second one I got. First one I got for painting, and this one I got for music. And when you get the prize at the prize presentation thing. You have to do a three-minute uh, presentation of sort of whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, all right, I'll just uh, I'll just do a song with Peggy, my daughter.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's what I did. Uh, we went up there. She was like 14, I think. She comes out there. I mean, she doesn't give a shit. You know, like all the mm. all the culture, like the the mayor, the the culture mayor, the, all these high-powered people are in the audience. Pretty big audience too, like 800 people, I think, something like that. Wow and uh she just does not give a shit she gets up there in her little shorts and her tennis shoes and her hoodie and uh does a fantastic job and and from that moment on people started calling us for uh, for gigs
0: that is so excellent and was she singing or playing an instrument she was, well
2: she would play the guitar she's for well we did clean outlets where she plays the guitar usually we mm-hmm. both play guitar but she played the guitar and uh sang the melody and I, I sang the harmony. Just
1: sat there and sang the harmony. I inject your kryptonite into my brain It improves my kung fu and it eases the pain During acceleration when the pedal hits the floor This thing burns nitroglycerin and powdered C4 and I
0: Well, your songs are layered with all these harmonies. So that brings me to one of the questions. Let me let me back up and just say, I um, came across your song, Maybe, and it absolutely just knocked me on my ass. I just think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Oh. Every time I listen to it, I try to, you know, there, there seems to be a bug that flies in my eye or something because I tear up every time. I, hear it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's just pretty much a perfect song. And that's sort of what started me off discovering you and um it's it's the self-contained little journey um and it's it's a really beautiful piece of art well
1: thank you two weeks after dieter died you could call him on the phone he would tell you that he's not home and it gave you an eerie feeling even though you knew it was just an answering machine Somewhere deep inside you know that they don't come back when they go And he had gone, and when they're gone, they're gone Maybe Jesus beat that rap, we're not sure Maybe you can live forever if your heart is pure or Maybe you'll come back someday as a bug and Maybe angels come and take you away to heaven Or the other way, but from down here It appears that when they're gone, they're gone My mother died in intensive care We were sitting around singing on folding chairs When I got the feeling somebody wasn't there well, I counted noses, but it came out right Doctors say she died that night, but I felt that hole, and I knew that she was gone. Maybe Jesus beat that rap, we're not sure. Maybe you can live forever if your heart is pure, or maybe you'll come back someday as a king prone. Maybe angels come and take you away to heaven, or the other way, but from down here it appears that when they're gone, they're gone.
0: I just love that song. Um, and then that brought me into all the other, the rest of your music, but you know, I have, love I, the I way you su- I have
2: to tell you how that song came into being.
0: I would love to know. Yeah.
2: Okay. I was, Please. I was working on um, an album, uh, mm-hmm. this new century. And I was about halfway through. it, And I noticed that all the songs I'd written so far had something to do with death. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, well, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just write a song about death. And I was maybe, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's perfect. I have to disagree with you. <laughs>
3: I've, I've so well, times. I think
0: it's a perfect, uh, perfect in the sense of how to deal with the idea of death. Mm. Maybe not the perfect song, but it's for me. It struck me because I, you know, I lost my mother when I was nineteen or whatever, and it's always this thing. And there's a there's a verse in there about about your mother, mm. and just it's such a great uh, compromise between seriousness and a little bit of humor and just dealing with this concept and saying i also feel and this might be projecting but i feel like it's a little bit of a fuck you to religion (laughs) i may be projecting that yeah Yeah. (laughs) well you know
2: i'm i'm acknowledging whatever we don't know right we just don't
0: right right you you navigate that in a really um graceful way which is which is cool so and 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 reincarnation and it's all in there so it's also a really catchy song and very pretty
2: <laughs> the problem with it the weakness of it is all the verses are the same they have the same melody and i think there are six verses mm-hmm. and there's no bridge and at some point you go like god come on <laughs> i mean when there I, is no bridge when i'm singing it that's what i think I'd go, i'm like oh god not another verse no not another one Well, it's
0: a story song. It's like it's a story song, like a Bob Dylan song or a Leonard Cohen song. Where there's yes, it's like verse, next verse, next verse, next verse. There's a chorus for sure, but um, but there's every time you get to a new verse, you're you're giving us something more. So it's really nice. But I mean, some of your songs are extremely simple as far as um structure Mm -hmm. and. It doesn't seem like it bothers you that if there's not a bridge or something. Sometimes you're, you know, you're pretty much chanting. It's almost like a, like the, like a born a worm. Yeah. I love that.
1: Born a worm, spins a cocoon, goes to sleep, wakes up a butterfly. Oh, what the fuck is that about? What the fuck is
0: that about? That's just incredible. You've on two of the songs I'm really proud of. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one is like a Buddhist chant or something. Wakes up a
1: butterfly, oh, what the fuck is that about? What the fuck is that about? Born a worm, spins a cocoon, goes to sleep. Wakes up a butterfly, oh, what? The
0: Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about Born a Worm, and I want to ask you oh, about the right. So, to me, the, this, with, there's so much. It's so fascinating. It's so self-contained because you start off in this almost classical, really melodic, gorgeous thing about a butterfly, and or about a worm, I guess. But if, and so we're in this classical world, world where it's pretty, it's really harmonic, and then it turns, and then it says, "What the fuck's up with that?" What does it say? <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is that about? <laughs> what the fuck is that about? Yeah, and it's such a beautiful turn because I think that the melody changes at that point and you're laughing and you're thinking, yeah, what the fuck is up with that? It, I feel like the marriage of the melody and the and what's, what you're saying are so perfect in that part. I'm also, I've got to say, I'm very
2: proud of that song. Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. It's incredible. And it's so funny. Thank you for that song. You're, you're
2: welcome. I'm... I'm... <laughs> You know, well, I made a, there's a book of my paintings that I made uh, uh, 10, 12 years ago, and it's got like all yes. of my favorite paintings that I've made in it, and uh, sometimes I look at that book and I think that is exactly what the world needed, and sometimes I look at it and I think I wasted my fucking life. It's <laughs> like, either or.
0: You just... You just... You know, defined being an artist, yeah. pretty much.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it, it actually is that way a lot of times. You just go, God, come on. Could you not do yeah. better than that? And other times you think, this is fantastic. I'm Born a Worm. I'm, 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 there's not a day where I can't think of that song and be proud of it. That one, uh, there's like, I don't know, there may be 10, 10, 12 songs where I go like, yes, that is good. Uh, Born a Worm, Clean Elvis, I think it's a good one. Havana Burning yes. is a good one. Um, yes. Um, uh, young at heart i think it's a good one um yeah there there
0: are some i love the one um titles nobody wants to be you i love that <laughs> yeah. it just because they're so a lot of these songs are, you're in is it they're in a story and there's a character and we're 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 in somebody's life and things aren't going so well yeah. possibly <laughs> and i don't know if those are reflections of your own personal experiences or no, just, people you know, just, or if are just vivid. making stuff up. Yeah. But it's so vivid, it's like being in a Bukowski story where everything is just going tits up and horribly wrong and yet there's all this heart and you know, emotion. Some This guy or this person might get out of it alive, well, we don't know. <laughs> there's people in the driveway, that his car is getting <laughs> repoed, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mess. Nobody wants to be you.
1: You're gonna have to tell her where the money went, why you can't pay the rent, why you have to move. You're gonna have to tell her what happened to the car and who those guys are in the living room. Oh, 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 no, but it won't be. Showing everybody on, up for sound. What does that have to do with you? Oh 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 no! Everybody wants to be you. Did you really think you could just move away? How dumb are you anyhow? You know those guys have their guys. Watching us right now You're going to have to tell her the That one actually, I'm going to have
2: to explain that one too a little bit. Okay. Um, I discovered this when I started playing the piano a couple of years ago. Um, I can't really play the piano, but you find like chord progressions that you like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's always been my strategy for writing songs is I just fuck around until I hear something that I like to hear and then go with that. And there was yeah. there was the thing where you start on the C and then you go down with your thumb one, I don't know what mm-hmm. the name of the chord is.
0: Yeah, you're descending. And then yeah, and then you it's, go down to an A minor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: and then you go down to then you go down to an F and you maybe go up to a half tone and then you or, or you go to a G and you can do a, mm-hmm. go up a half and then up a G and then up another half and back to the A minor. I mean, so I found this this thing, and I used the strategy that I use often in paintings, and that is. Um, you tell yourself you're going to make like i was. I wanted to make actually like a sweet sort of soul ballad <laughs> mm-hmm. and if i try to paint or if i tell myself i'm going to paint a sweet flowery picture it ends up being the nastiest shit you can imagine every time that's like guaranteed mm. and that one sort of turned out that way too
0: mm. that's a good method it works that's uh, no I'm also fascinated in your, the technical method of how you layer stuff, because you, you, all your songs have these really tightly crafted um, harmonies that are great, and there's like a bass. It's almost like a barbershop quartet happening in some way, but not, not corny like that, but really mm-hmm. tightly woven harmonies. And so how do you come up with that stuff, um, recording-wise?
2: Well, actually, the reason I'm a musician, if I am a musician, is because of computers. Uh, when I was about 17, I would have killed for those four-track cassette things, but they were super expensive. They were like $1,500 at the time, which was like mm-hmm. I was never going to come up with that much money.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I wish, man, I wish I, I wish I'd had one. And
0: that's what I started with. It was life-changing. Yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I actually, I actually bought one and played with it. It was terrible. Like, no. like, <laughs> once you've done a computer, done, you're just you don't like, want to go back to that. You're like,
0: this sucks. But it's a really <laughs> great exercise to start with that, and then and then get the total freedom of of multi tracking yeah. on a computer.
2: Because that's well, that's that's what uh, made me a musician. I got a I got a, a computer that guy a friend of mine gave me, and I kept sort of pepping it up. I put a new motherboard and a new processor, and it, I think it was a the four eighty six was almost good enough to record audio. But then I got a, uh, a Pentium 100 motherboard mm-hmm. and you could mm-hmm. record audio on the thing, which means I could I could uh, do multi-tracking vocals, which is something I always want to do. I, I used to sing harmony stuff with my brother. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I love it. I love singing harmony. And it was like yeah. my voice is sort of weird and uh, mm-hmm. also very quiet. So I had difficulty singing in choirs or in groups of people because everybody mm-hmm. was louder than me. And the people who could really sing were like just—they would just blow me away, of course. So I could finally just get a little bit closer to the microphone, like this, and you've got it—you've—you've you've got it. There were problems, of course, because the at that time that was like the end of the 90s. The equipment was not very good, and it was expensive, and it was like uh, like the computers were really loud. You'd always have the in the background mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> like 16-bit was standard and a lot of times if I wanted to get four tracks on there I'd have to record at 22 kilohertz um, mm. because my computer just wouldn't wouldn't do it otherwise mm-hmm. it would just, just choke up so yeah that's how I ended up being a musician got a computer pepped it up till I could record myself singing and then after you know, I sang farther along and uh, stuff like that until I couldn't stand it anymore, and I just wrote songs to kind of uh, have something to record.
0: <laughs> that is so cool, because it's it, it, you're also using the limitations of the tools you have to create something that's very personal, that sounds like you, doesn't sound like anything else.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's great. It's it, I mean, that kind of is like your own version of the four track, because the four track is sort of the really cumbersome, not very easy to use tool that lets people record themselves and choose what they're trying to put on there, and you know, if you mess up, you have to go back and erase it and all that. So yeah. with your limitations of the early computers, that was kind of the same thing was happening. Mm-hmm. And then you come up with your sound, which is really different from anyone else's. It's very original.
2: Well, I had a homemade, my my instruments were also homemade, my guitar. After I'd won uh, <clears throat> this this art prize, a friend of mine, I was pretty much sick and tired of the music or the the, the art scene.
0: And, um, in and, in California? No,
2: in, in northern Germany
0: here. Yeah. Oh, just, so you had already moved to Germany yeah. at the time. So So we're sort of out of order here. But you you moved to Germany right out right before finishing college, and you you weren't really in going for music yet at the time. No. That happened in Germany. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. No, I
2: was I was a painter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and tell
0: me the name of your book. I know the name of it, but I want you to say it. Your art book. <laughs>
2: art pussies fear this book.
0: Hard pussies hear this book, right? Oh, pussy titty, pussy titty, a boom titty boom. Who wrote
1: all the jokes on the wall in a man's room? Well, I know it wasn't me and it couldn't been you, cause all the jokes you know, I know too. Ooh, oh, pussy titty, pussy titty, a boom titty boom. Who drew all the pictures on the wall in a man's room?
0: Pussies is a, a, a term that comes up sometimes in some of your songs and some of your, you know. Yeah, it's and, uh, not, it's a, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's not politically correct. <laughs> I'm sure it comes, you know, it's got it packs a punch. <laughs> I'm sure it means something to you.
2: You know, I just did whatever. It like, <laughs> should be okay. <clears throat> never nothing. Never really thought that much about it. Now I've got two well, two daughters and a son. And I yeah. think some of those songs, uh, Food and Pussy, I wouldn't write again. You know? Mm. It's like, right. eh, you don't need to right. do that. <laughs> well, what I was telling you was, I, 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 I've I, yep. gotten one of these art prizes, which comes with money. Mm-hmm. And this friend of mine, who's also a very good painter, um, came by my studio with a book called How to Build... A, a steel string acoustic guitar. Oh, and he, yeah, and he knew I would jump on that. He just knew it. So, and I did. So I started building
0: um, yeah, so the first stuff you were doing in recording those that was with a guitar that you made yourself. yeah, and a bass That's wild. and a bass. you were able to make a guitar that stays in tune and sounds like a guitar and stuff. It's you know,
2: um, in the meantime, I would not build a guitar again. I've built, yeah. I think I've built like five acoustic guitars. Um, because right now you can get a pretty good Chinese guitar for a couple hundred Euros, maybe well for 300, you can get one that's perfectly acceptable guitar.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And compare that, you compare that to what you have to what you have to do <laughs> to build a guitar. It's like just don't waste your time. And for a good guitar, like a really good, like I've got a Gibson, and yeah. you know it just it works perfectly. You can put yeah. you can put a capo on wherever you want. It stays in tune. Uh, you it's easy to tune. Even when it's out of tune, it sounds good. Um, so it's like sure. don't just yeah. just don't waste your time. But I have to say, if you build a guitar, you will uh, try to something on it that sounds good because you build it you want to you don't want to fail so well you know (laughs) so so that's a it it sort of motivates you in fact if you make an instrument you will write a song or i will anyway i will write a song for it
0: yeah it doesn't really matter completely understand that yeah i i'm probably not going to build an instrument but i i always buy weird instruments and try to find weird instruments i recently found a an electric koto from Japan, not very expensive at all on eBay, uh-huh. like a hundred bucks, and it is the coolest thing in the world. It's like a typewriter with, with uh, strings, and that kind of stuff really motivates you to do something different. But I heard, I read something where you were called like an outsider folk musician or something like that. That term outsider is can be sort of insulting or whatever, but it's like you're making stuff that no one else would think of doing because you're doing it with the limitations that are in front of you because you're not thinking, oh, I can't do that. I can't, you know, yeah. this weird guitar.
2: Yeah, that's it's like, cool. for me, that's sort of a, um, that's the biggest compliment if somebody tells me, I didn't know you could do that.
3: And I go,
0: yeah. fuck yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah You totally. can do that's that. Great. Well, in the same way, you can't really say art pussies, but you did and it's all right. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um I definitely have some songs that I wrote 25 years ago that I wouldn't really want to sing around my kid but so yeah. I understand that so i was going to say then how did you get connected with John Prine because you were on his you're on his label or oh, you were on his label yeah. right oh boy well, so st- how did that yeah, okay. come about i'm
2: still on old oh boy records um mm-hmm. what happened was i made i made a record um actually in the beginning it was a, it was cassettes and mm. like i would have to for each one, I would have to, like, in real time, <laughs> record the, the things. Um, then I got a CD burner, and I was selling CDs at the time to, like, people. But so there was one guy, guy named Chris Schmidt. He's a harmonica player here, and he bought one of my CDs. And I said, you can just have it. No, no, we want to pay you. I want to pay you. So it was, like, I got 15, I can't remember if it was marks or, or euros at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like, damn, okay, uh, <laughs> because at the time the, the the raw blank CDs cost fifty cents, and you could right. sell them for fifteen euros. So I was like, I was like drawing covers, like each one had a different cover. And then at some point, I made, wow. I, I made a cover that I could print,
0: and I sold. So they were they were little pieces of art. You were yeah, each yeah. one was its own little piece of yeah. art. Yeah,
2: and I thought, all right, you know, if people. If people, even if they don't like the music, they're getting a picture for 15 euros. Um, and then I started printing them and I uh, kind of, I think I, you know, I'd sold quite a few of them actually. And, but it it was, I wasn't selling anymore. And I thought I I should send one to, uh, well, I was gonna send some, I was gonna send one to uh, Bruce Springsteen. I was gonna send one to Emily Harris. I was gonna send, one. there are a lot of people I was gonna send one to you, mm-hmm. but you can't find their address anywhere. They're like Hmm. they are not. They've got a they've got a wall up,
0: man. You can't. You kind of have to find their manager or something. Yeah, Yeah. and I wasn't willing to go that far. But John Pry was like, "This is my address. You
2: can call me on the phone." (laughs) He was like,
3: "That's cool." Okay, yeah. yeah." So cool.
2: So I sent it. I sent him one, and um, then I got it with a little note explaining uh, what I had done and um, whatnot, and I got a. Well, I, I came home from a from the pub. It was like two in the morning. I was drunk. <laughs> the phone rang, which is like, oh shit! The phone rings at two in the morning. That's not good. You know, what? somebody's here, and I'm just not going to. Okay. I'm just not going to answer. Do you need to
0: take a sec second?
2: No, I'm just not going to answer. I'll leave. That's what I think. I think okay, I- so the
0: phone rang just like it re- just rang. Just so like it just no. rang.
2: Well, that's the doorbell. But um.
0: <laughs> okay. Two in the morning. Two
2: in the morning. You're drunk. I'm drunk, you know, and the phone rings at two in the morning. You think, what? On
0: German beer. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so it's, it's Al Bonetta, um, John Prine's manager and the president of Wolfboy Boy Records. Wow. And he said they wanted to put my, put my record out. And I was wow. like, I was like in shock. Wow. Like, totally in shock. What the fuck? You what? <laughs> Wow. And what was even better, um, they didn't really change anything. They got it mastered because you, had to, like, you have to have the, the volumes level sure. sort of yeah, the yeah. same. But, mm-hmm. but uh, John said, I like it the way it is. Let's just leave it the way it is. So cool. And other than changing the, the volumes, they didn't change anything. So the original CD, uh, there's a, like a lot of noise on there. There's a lot of mouth smacking sound
0: stuff. Yeah, like
2: you can get rid of that mouth so easy. Maybe you, know, you put a a mouth right. clicker on there, and it's gone. Sure, you can get rid of all that. Do
0: you know? Are you aware of a musician called Daniel Johnston? No, he, he would. He was a, a musician in Athens, Georgia, and he he would create when he made tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, he would record each one separately, so each one was not just only a recording like a. He, each one had him playing the songs for the first time on the tape, and he'd make covers of those and he'd sell those. <laughs> he'd go around to like concerts. And, so you, were, you went one step a little easier. You actually ran off you know the same versions of the songs, but you made different covers on it. He, was, he would go out and sell it. so those tapes now, and then he became this very, very beloved um, musician, but those tapes go for insane amounts of money because each one was an original. So
2: uh, right? uh, that's, that's <laughs> like a combination of really stupid and really genius.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you, so then that's so great to get that endorsement from John Prine. And, you know, he heard, he heard what you were doing and he really got it and he put it out there. And,
2: so. yeah, it's, and it, he invited me, um, well, he invited me to go on tour with him to open shows for him. Wow. So one, let's see, it must've been 2004, 2005, something like that. Can't remember actually, but he was doing a tour across Canada. And Al Bonetta called me and said, Do you want to go open tools for John? Cool. And I said, eh, I don't think I want to do that. And he says, Have you ever done it? I said, I don't like to do that. And he said, Have you ever done it? And I said, No, actually no. And he said, Well, you then you don't know, do you? <laughs>
0: it's like Good point.
2: hard to hard to argue with that logic. So I agreed to do it and went and we started in Halifax. And Interestingly, um, Albuneta went along. He was there, and mm. normally on John Prime tours, Albuneta is not there. Like mm. I don't think they wanted him there. And I'm—I still am convinced that uh, he was there to sort of break it to me <laughs> gently if I failed. He was—he was, he was the guy. He was there to send me home if I failed. Oh, wow! That's what I think. Nobody ever said that. That's just what I think. But I didn't fail. I did really well, actually. I sold a ton cool. of CDs and made a bunch of uh, fans, I guess. And yeah. um, had a it is it is. Did
0: you enjoy the experience? You know, it sounds to me like you don't really enjoy playing live too much. Do you have stage? Do you have like anxiety yeah, around that? Yeah, or, yeah,
2: yeah. But I have to say, uh, once I'm on stage doing it. You know, mm-hmm. i mean like i'll practice until i know i can do it and won't mm-hmm. mess up um and once i'm on stage doing it um it feels really good and it's something that i that i noticed like at the pub i go to there, there a lot of musicians would go there and they would mm-hmm. go there after a gig and they would talk about ah oh, the audience had this and they had this kind of energy and it was this way and it was that when i thought the what are you talking about it's just that you're playing and they're fucking listening. You're making all this mm-hmm. stuff up. They mm. were like, no, Dan, this is a, the audience is part of the whole thing. Mm. And uh, you go up on stage, well, with John Prine, it's either going to be, it's going to be between 1,000 thousand and two thousand five hundred people. Yeah. <clears throat> so I found out that's a real thing. Like, the audience yeah. is, is like uh, somebody. Yes. that you're talking
0: to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: You go, yeah, well, of course, Dan, but I didn't know that.
0: No, no, I'm not saying it like <laughs> that. I'm just, I'm, I, I feel it because it's, and it's, you don't realize it's going to be so important until you do it a, a while. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a real thing. And then, I don't know if you ever had the experience where it doesn't go so well and you're just kind of going through the motions. That's that's a real bummer. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But it sounds like their audience really embraced you and really knew what you were doing Okay, well, kind of a John, pushed you along. A
2: group of people that comes to a John Prine concert, just like, yeah. these are my people right there. Yeah. This is like hand-picked uh, yeah. for me.
0: Couldn't <laughs> it was, be any better. It couldn't yeah. be any better. And you went across Canada. Did you do a ton of shows? How many shows did uh,
2: you do? Going there? there, I think I did 10 shows. We went, oh, that's we went, so cool. From there, I'm headed west. We stopped in Edmonton. Mm. And then I went and did it again in um, England and Ireland and Scotland, Mm. the UK thing. With John Prine as well? Yeah, yeah. Always the opening act. And then twice, um, once in the Pacific Northwest up there. Well, Mm. not Pacific. uh, Montana, Wyoming, um, Mm. ending up in Washington, Bellingham up there. And then another one um, where we were, well, there was one where I was actually in Southern California, Cerritos.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. that, was also, that was also like a great one for me because I tell the audience, you know what? I'm from here. And then yeah. they were like, yeah!
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
2: But before the show, the people, who, um, the people who organized it had heard that I sometimes use salty language on stage. Yes. And they didn't want me. They were like, you know, yeah. we don't we don't this is we don't do that here. And so what
0: what venue was that? It was in Cerritos?, it was in Cerritos. Cerritos so is Southern is like uh, south of Orange County, or where is that? It's
2: right in the middle of Orange oh, no. County. like right its... where did you grow up?
0: What um, part?
2: Orange. Well, in Lynwood and then in Orange. Linwood. is I
0: grew up in Costa Mesa, Oh, okay. after France. yeah, yeah so I'm familiar with. okay.
2: That. Yeah, well, I went to that area. I was in um, Lynwood. Mm-hmm. is up by L.A. Compton up around mm-hmm. there uh, till ninth grade, and then we moved to Orange.
0: Oh yeah, I had a. I used to go to trick or treating in Orange every <laughs> Halloween because I had, we had a good friend who lived there, so we we would wander the streets yeah. of Orange.
2: <laughs> the Cerritos gig for me was uh, was uh, important because they like I said they didn't really want me, and I told mm-hmm. and I told uh, John, you know, dude, if they don't want me. That's fine. I, I can I can live without this. I don't need to, to do this things. Mm-hmm. And he said um, to the people there, uh, I have to remember his exact words, no, Dan Reader should play. He's a relevant contemporary songwriter. I was That's declared fantastic. a relevant contemporary songwriter by John Prine.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> that <made> me... <laughs> Take that to the bank. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> it makes
2: me feel so good. I was like, that nope,
3: so cool. what
0: the relevant contemporary songwriter. What the fuck? Yeah. Definitely. I agree wholeheartedly. What the fuck have you done? God
1: almighty, what the fuck have you done? What the fuck? What the fuck have you? What the fuck have you
0: done? Yeah. So now you're living in Germany. Well you have been for a long time. Yeah. What's it like looking at? looking at America from over in Germany, like what the hell, what's going on over here? This does the, strike is, you? Is this, this the, is the political we, part. The political and part? you also, you happen to live in Nuremberg, which has a lot of political uh, history, yeah. uh, history, yes. So you're in Nuremberg and you're watching, and I know you don't shy away from politics because you wrote a song about what the fuck did we do, I think, when Trump was elected, or I'm, again, I'm messing uh, my up. Two, the, my, uh,
2: my 2016 election song with a distorted uh, voice. Like,
3: what, did you
0: yeah, do? Right. what the fuck yeah. have you done? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I I know you think about this stuff, so I'm going to press you on it.
2: <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I'll tell you what it looks like from over here is that um, that the United States has gone a little bit crazy. The, mm-hmm. the polarization thing is so out of control that everybody just hates each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see any, any solution for it the way it is right now. Um, <clears throat> Except for maybe the possibility that the people would be so sick and tired of just being stressed. Like, I'm convinced mm-hmm. that that's why Biden won the election. People were like, just no, not we, four years was good, but let's not do that again. Let's not mm-hmm. do that again. It's just too much, yeah, too much stress.
0: Too many shenanigans.
1: for the government can execute you. Put you up against the wall and shoot you. They can gas you or electrocute you. They can strap you down and lethally inject you three. Four. Okay, we're going to get political here.
2: All
0: right. Yeah, we so, are. Definitely. Uh,
2: you've also got this situation where, um, like, these sort of traditions. That they have in the U.S., like the peaceful transfer of power, and mm-hmm. you know, you give up if the other if the other guy won. That's that's mm-hmm. a, prescribed by law. That's a tradition. There are right. a lot. Of, there are a lot of things like that, and the United they're, things, norms. they're norms. They're considered norms. Right? Yes, <clears throat> norms and traditions and and whatnot, and it's like the adherence to these things have have also played a part in the United States becoming like a huge world power, I think. Right. It's like the democracy is a little bit weird in the United States. I mean, let's face it, the the person who wins the most votes doesn't always win the election. Right. But it's stable because of these these norms and traditions. And Mm -hmm. Trump, uh, for example, um, wanted to just dispense with those things. Mm -hmm. And I maintain that that's a big mistake. If you want, if you actually want to make America, or I'm not going to even say great again, but if you want to keep it, keep it uh,
0: pretty good, pretty
2: good, (laughs) uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to at least acknowledge that those traditions and norms have played a part in that, and don't just throw them out.
0: I 100% agree with that. I would go a little further. I think these norms are. Are useless. I think they need to be laws. I think they need to be codified. I think there
2: you these go. things
0: yeah. that because we have people who are just uh throwing them in the trash, as we've seen in the last like four or five years. So it's like we can't have nice things anymore. We we used <laughs> to just do this and it was great and it worked it because work. everyone played by the rules. Yeah. Well, just now now it's not enough to have a norm. We need a law. Unfortunately, this it, is how it is. Probably if you probably right. lose your election. I think I would start by saying. You can't run for an election unless you sign a piece of paper that says if I lose I'm out. I will concede. I lose.
3: Yeah.
0: I will concede. Yeah. Otherwise you can't pl- you can't play. It. You can't come to my party if you're not going to agree with those to those rules. Yeah. That's you know and there are so many other things like that. There are all these norms that happen in the Supreme Court and the you know like right now um Clarence Thomas he's he's under fire for taking all this money from this billionaire and going on trips and doing all this stuff and well the norm is you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck the norm, there should be a law mm-hmm. that he should be on his, on his ass if he does that because the norm, they don't give a shit about the norms. The norms are, are useless at this point because we're not a normal country anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So,
2: um, well, I can basically tell you what I think my my political view right now is following about the United States. If you were a chicken farmer and, mm-hmm. all, and all your neighbors were chicken farmers and all your chickens died, You'd probably go to your neighbor and say, Why are your chickens not dead? You know, mm-hmm. you would ask somebody where what how they did it, so where the chickens are alive. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the United States, for example, the health, the healthcare system, they've got mm-hmm. they've got healthcare systems all over the world that work beautifully. Yeah. And, and if it's and if they're not, if they don't work perfectly, they at least work. Germany yes. is one. Sweden's yep. one, Norway has one, England is one, Canada's one, Mexico—I think Mexico also has one. Um, France. France. Okay, so go there and find out how they're doing it. Yeah. Instead of instead of uh, instead of just just pretending like you know everything better, and it's not right. it's not working. Another thing about the United States that's a little bit uh, well, this is maybe more about Germany. Which I think is extremely important, related to the to the health uh, thing, and that is you're not you don't have to be afraid. Like I know a guy we, we were in right. Athens, Georgia for two years in uh, when my wife was getting her her degree there, and there was a guy who worked for the paper where I worked, and his wife had a baby and he was automatically in in debt for thirty five thousand dollars, which is this is in the nineties. This is a lot of money. He'll. he's probably still in debt. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, here, you have a baby, you go to the hospital, you get the baby, and you take it home. And you, you don't have to fear
3: that. You
2: don't Not have to only fear only that, like, but
0: if you have a job, you get, you get mater- maternity leave and paternity leave. Yeah, yeah. You, there's, there's safety, you know, there are, yeah. So, protections so in there.
2: So, so what that leads to is, um, like when I first came here, I thought, why would anybody want to even get rich here? Uh, the rich people if you ask them well what do you do with your extra money they go on longer <laughs> they go on longer more extravagant vacations and they have bigger apartments and that's that's about it or they may have a about it. they may have an expensive car a more expensive car but it's like everybody
0: how rich do you need to be yeah, exactly but
2: everybody um okay there are bums here too but you don't have to be a bum
0: right basically you sort of almost have to you don't have to live to
2: you know you don't have to live in existential fear, right? Because there's just no reason to. And what that means is you don't you don't have to worry about somebody knocking you over the head and taking your money. Like I walked home uh, probably three nights a week from the bar, <laughs> a long time ago, um, <clears throat> in the middle of the night, drunk, and nothing. Ever, I was I was never even concerned. There was never I never. Right. Who's going to, what, Who? why would anybody do anything to me? So here's another thing that they do here that they don't do in the United States. And I think this is very important. If you go to a beer garden here and it's full or pretty much full and you see, okay, there are two empty chairs at a table and there are four people already sitting there. Well, you go and you sit in those chairs yeah. because they're empty places. So yeah. what that, what that leads to is you talk to people that you didn't know yeah. before. Okay, everybody goes to these beer gods. So that means the guys, the guys at the table that you just sat down at, they might be lawyers, they might be Mm -hmm. bikers, they might be uh, a mailman. You don't know who it's going to be. But you sit down with them and you chat with them or not. You don't have to, of course, but usually some sort of exchange takes place. And that sort of cements the... um, which what, what are you going to call it? The the, the society. Social
0: connections. It's social, sort of like yeah. It's social because connections
2: it, from it, from and top It's to an bottom.
0: equalizer. Yeah, it's an equalizer. It's an equalizer. You're all human. You're all drinking the yeah. same
2: beer, or the same glasses, yeah. and if the handles right. warm, you think, Yeah, damn it, they should have let it cool off a little bit. You know? <laughs> no, seriously, it's like. It's like a thing, we all have the same experience. We like this place right. because the beer here is good, or the bratwurst here is right. good, or whatever.
0: And you don't have to be rich or poor to sit no. seat there. No. You're just gonna sit down, no. yeah.
2: And, and you wouldn't know which ones were rich and which ones were poor anyway.
1: I was sitting at the bar, just thinking about the way things are, and watching the bubbles rise in my beer. But I felt like I looked like I had no friends. So I looked toward the door and began to pretend that I was expecting somebody to come in and meet me. Two, three.
0: So when you moved Can to Germany, that it was in 2003, the were these things that you discovered slowly, like all, sort of all these things that you now appreciate about the way, I would say, socialist democracies <laughs> um, operate, Are these things that you, you know, did it have to dawn on you or were you already sort of primed for? I was not primed for it. Well,
2: actually, I moved, here, yeah. I moved here in 1986 or 87. Oh, got it. Okay. Must '87. We are married in '87.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Anyway, two years. Oh, so
0: you you were there before the Berlin Wall fell? That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um wow.
2: But I noticed, well, you noticed very quickly. Like I got a job, and if you have a job in Germany, um, like I, I showed up for work several times on on holidays, where like. What? Another holiday.
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm ready to work. And they're like, No, 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 no. I'm this is a this is a holiday. It's a holiday. Yeah. I did
2: that a couple
0: of times. It's like, no Dan. It's amazing. <clears throat> you get- it's just amazing to me. The whole thing the whole thing boils down to there's so many resources for rich countries. All the Western world, countries in the world have more than enough resources for everyone. Yeah. Just it just means the rich people have to be a little bit less rich. That's all it means. Fix, fix everything, and
2: I, I have to say, you know? um, the, uh, the not being afraid, just not being afraid of right. of, uh, of your neighbor, like, that is rich. You know, you don't have to build a wall right. if the, if the, if your next door neighbor is not poor. You don't have to build a wall. You right. don't have, to have a gated with a right. guard and all that shit.
0: You just yeah, because your neighbor's taken care of. Because your neighbor's going to go to school for free and going to have education for free. So that's yeah, right there. That's yeah.
2: That's another thing. The college, God Almighty. Uh, okay, well, my one daughter uh, went to Oxford, and that is not cheap. That's like yeah. as a foreigner, um, yeah, kind of expensive. But it's it's also doable. But here, if she had wanted to, she could have gone to the university here, and it would have cost nothing.
0: But, so your children were born in Germany. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so do they, are they bilingual? Do they speak yeah. um, English and German? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you spoke, well, I guess Germans are very good at English. They, they sort of <clears throat> naturally, most, they're very in the meantime, good at languages.
2: In yeah. the meantime, most Europeans, yeah, they sure. all, uh, well, they all speak English and German.
0: So the Germans are obviously super, super uh, careful about not letting fascism take over again. <laughs> a better way of saying that. And they're, they're sort of, I feel like there's, there are laws and, you know, uh, there are things baked into the German system where they, this thing happened and we don't want this to happen again. Maybe there's a right of, maybe there's a rise of the right sort of, again, I, I'm not sure, but it seems like German, is there really? Yeah. Like fascism and... Um. Nazi stuff like okay. white supremacy you i mean nazism is like totally banned in germany you can't even like say the word or have a swastika or anything
2: yeah you i mean but you've got you've got the, uh, you've got the far right and you've also you you you've, you're going to have neo nazis always. Mm-hmm. they they're not going to go away yeah. you've probably got them in mexico you've probably got them in canada you've got these guys yeah but they are yeah. but what's a little bit weird is you've got, for example, here the AFD uh, alternative for Germany, alternative mm-hmm. for Deutschland, um, and it's far right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, but, but like, what does that mean right now? Well, what it means is they don't believe that um, that we can do anything about global warming. That's all a hoax. Oh,
3: okay.
2: Uh, um, they don't like the euro, the money. They don't like okay. the European, the European Union. Okay. Uh, they like it the way it was before um and i have to say the when they still had the deutschmark there were these coins these five mark coins are really heavy
0: and they, yeah, I remember they felt
2: really good and it's like mm. they
0: were cool yeah <laughs> i might have one or two <laughs> i might have one or two for my travels they were, they were really they were cool. wonderful yeah and when they disappeared
2: yeah. i felt sort of bad but actually you know the euro is a good thing
0: Sure. Anyway, the, and and I'm sure this far right, they probably are anti-Muslim or they're 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 pointing their fingers at Im- immigrants or anything like that. You know, okay, that's, that's where it goes.
2: that's where it spreads out because you've got the you've got the racist side of it, of course. Mm-hmm, but then, mm-hmm. like, I know a guy who's a member of the I.F.D. of you know, the of the far right. He's not a racist and he's not a bad guy. Even he just he just doesn't like the idea of the European Union. He doesn't like okay. the idea of the of the money. All these countries, Italy is is. Has something to say about my money? You know, it's right. like so. it's a little bit of a racist thing, maybe, but um, also maybe understandable. <laughs>
0: well, it's xenophobic, it? Yeah. maybe in, in his case, it's more.
2: Yeah, but it, there's about also there's also finance. there's also that the the, uh, the fear of, of immigrants, you know, people coming and taking our jobs sure. and blah 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 blah, blah
3: blah 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 blah.
1: If I had a pistol, I could join a revolution just like Tray. Imagine me
0: down low in the sugar cane, watching Havana burning. And how's Germany with the whole anti-trans, anti-gay, anti-all that? That's all that fun stuff that's happening in America. I don't know what's going on with your and Germany. It's the same, it's the same, from what I've yeah. from,
2: from what I've read, it's getting more of a, uh, there's more acceptance. LGBTQ plus whatever.
0: T- you forgot the I, A.
1: Okay. I <laughs> say, who you got to know to get a gun around here? I want to see Atlanta burning. And if they let me join in, me and Che would be the best of friends we'd wait for the day. Someone to say put on your camouflage vest and your black beret. And let's go watch Havana Burning.
0: Are you planning any more records? Are you working on something new? What's what's going on next?
2: I'm actually working on a record. I'm hoping to get it done by the end of the year. So it keeps sort of changing. Um, and I may make uh, I may do something the record company doesn't like, and that would be <clears throat> to make a whole record of very, very short songs, like mm-hmm. 45 seconds to a minute,
0: mm-hmm.
2: because that sort of comes naturally to me. Um,
0: you know, that would be great. They they don't like that idea.
2: You know, I don't know. I don't. I know. I know the one woman doesn't like. She wants me to write longer songs, but
3: okay.
2: I don't know. Well, I will have to see. Like it changes yeah. from day to day. And if I have an yeah. idea that's good for a long song, then I'll probably write a long, a long song. Yeah. So you have to promise me one thing. Yeah. If I said anything stupid, you cut it out,
0: okay? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think you said anything stupid, but if uh, or if something occurs to you, like, oh, damn, I didn't mean to say that. But the problem, it, it would most likely be me that said something stupid, and then I'll cut myself out (laughs) no 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 no. (laughs) really i can't thank you enough for for just your music it's so it's been such a joy to discover it and listen to it i'm really looking forward to the next thing and um you're and so you have the one art book art pussies fear this book i just just like saying that (laughs) um and is that available how do people find that
2: oh the only way you can get it is to buy it directly from me there, okay. there was a place online where you could get them, but they were like charging $800 or something. Nobody, okay. nobody bought I don't, I don't know how they got on, how they got them or how that worked. But um, right.
0: yeah. Really looking forward to hearing your next record. And for everyone listening, check out Dan's music. It's amazing. So thank you, Dan. And um, guten tag. Guten <laughs> Nacht, I guess. It's nighttime for you. Right?
2: Uh, yeah, well, it's about 7 in the evening.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for this. It's great to talk to you.
1: All right, well, thank you for me. Born a worm, spins a cocoon, goes to sleep, wakes up a butterfly. Oh, what the fuck is that about? What the fuck is that about? never, never dit ce disconconcon, con- you send off, en papillon, mais
0: that was my conversation with the great Dan Reader. Check out all his music at danreader.com or anywhere else where you find your music. You can also go to pierredegayon.com to find out about my upcoming concerts and to find back episodes of Pierre Pressure Podcast. In three, I have a few concerts coming up with my band Body Kite. We're playing May 26th in Shandaken, New York. Also June 10th at The Central in Peekskill, New York. And June 23rd at Arts on the Lake in Carmel, New York at the Arts on the Lake Outdoor Concert Series with Creatures Band. And as always, please, if you like this podcast, subscribe to it, leave a comment, like it, do all that stuff. It really helps. You can email me on my podcast page or on my website and find out about the next upcoming podcast, which will be a very special episode, which I can't even reveal right now. Keep up the good fight, and I'll see you next time. Au revoir.
1: Au revoir.
3: revoir.